Hello and welcome to another episode of the Who Art Thou podcast. I'm Barra and for episode number seven of the show I'll be chatting with Bex and Connor of the band Sick Love. So it was fantastic chatting with Rebecca and Connor over Zoom. Um, I can't wait to do it in person but obviously for the time being we'll be all, all the interviews will be done over Zoom. But uh, we chatted about the band's origins, where the name came from, which was a very surprising uh, news to me where it came from, uh, touring life, where the band's megaphone came from, last year's EP, uh, Baby It's You, and what the band has in store for us in 2021 and 2022. So really, really fun episode to record. Um, so without further ado, let's start the show with the theme music by Zach Stevenson. So for anybody who doesn't know the band, what would be the, how would you describe your sound? Well, I would say we're kind of classic rock and roll meets modern production and modern attitude, I'd say, because we have a lot of influences like from like classic rock bands, like Tin Lizzy, ACDC, Blondie, all that kind of thing. Mm. Then obviously we use a lot of modern production and everything. So I'd say that's kind of a bit of a gist of it, yeah. Yeah, like I always got a, like a fer- kind of like a ferocious, rocky, punky sound off you guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good way uh, to describe like, it. <laughs> well, no, you, you, well, actually, and just like if in for your early influences, what kind of like were the first influences that made you get into music? That made you go like, oh shit, I could actually do this as a career. Like, what, what was the where? Who are the 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 people that made you go, wow, this is really really cool like um for me it was kind of a it's been a very like weird winding kind of road like I started with a lot of like singer-songwriter kind of influences um like mainly like female singer-songwriters like Regina Spector um Maureen and the Diamonds Lana Del Rey was a big one for me Mm. um because that was kind of the first I suppose the first like female influence I had seen but then when I kind of got realized there was rock bands that had women in them because like so much of rock music is so male dominated so once I saw people like Blondie and like Joan Jett and everything like that then I was like oh yeah that's that's it so and then obviously like the the early emo days of Paramore and that so (laughs) so that's kind of like you know we all had it so yeah we all had it kind of like a very yeah we all did we all were all there so yeah for me it was a kind of a weird um journey to where it is today but I'd say like the current wave of what we're in now I suppose like Debbie Harry would be like my biggest influence there and then what about you yeah I'm kind of the same um all even the though, girls well all no, the gals. no I'm not I'm not like that I suppose <laughs> as in I probably you had more of a yeah like you you started on the singer-songwriting trend I kind of grew up 
listening to like Tin Lizzy, Fleetwood Mac, um, Susie and the Banshees, because my my dad was a huge music guy. So like I've just kind of been on that rock train for so long. But then since you've been around, I've started to learn way more about the songwriting and the pop production sense of it. And I think it's blended well. And uh, when when did you start playing like instruments for the first time? Like what would be like the first instrument um, you picked up? I'd say I was about like 10 or 11 or so. Um, that's when I learned to play key- play keyboard. Um, and that kind of like that, that shaped a lot for me as well, because obviously that's when I realized, oh, shit, I can use this like to actually make yeah. my own songs <laughs> and everything like that. That was like blew it out of the water for me. So I think, yeah, yeah, I started playing around then and then a couple of years into once I got like more confident with it and everything that's when it really like opened things up opened hmm. opened opportunities up you know yeah, yeah. I can't rem- I think I was about probably about eight when I started playing guitar and funny enough I I begged my parents to like so I could learn guitar and I was put in this class with the two other lads and the two other lads are Sean and Cormac of Sick Love. Oh, no so I've way. been playing with them for a very long time. That's gas. Yeah, Sean, yeah, Sean wasn't really, he wasn't really good at the guitar, so we stuck him on the drums. <laughs> he got relegated to drums. <laughs> That's mad that yeah, you're in the same yeah. guitar class. I didn't know that. Yeah. Kitty guitar class. Like, not yeah. a not kitty guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah, it was like uh, we were learning like what is it, Scarborough Fair and all like <laughs> just, oh, no on, way. <laughs> just chilling. Yeah, Thank you. It's been a, as you can as you can tell from that, it's been a long, long, long road yeah. to the that it is today. Do you know? I was actually literally that's the next question I have here was actually how the band came about because. Like I know it was Submotion before it was Sick Love, but it's mm-hmm. been going for quite a while. Like, what was what was kind of the driving force to actually starting a band together? Um, well, I guess you you'd know the the well, origins, the very early origins. Yeah, so I suppose it started when me, yeah, so me, Cormac, and Sean knew each other for we went to school together, and then we 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 decided to start a band. Um, probably in about fourth year of school I'd say and then it was sixth year when it got a bit more serious and we started playing gigs in in the pint and the mez I think oh, yeah I remember those gigs the pint before the sound house <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah the, I was so, always at the big narrow bar like yeah so <laughs> yeah so like we we started playing there and um we went through a few lineups and then I think it was 2013 you, you came yeah. along 2013 when we were in like I, well I was in like first year of college and yeah like you were in need of a singer a spot opened up and I was never supposed to stay I was oh, <laughs> I was never supposed to be really? a permanent member of the band by the way yeah I was like I had my own stuff going on. Like I was playing, I knew the guys like from playing gigs around as well. And like Mm. doing my singer songwriting thing and everything like that. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll fill in for a couple of gigs because they had like some gigs coming up. And I was like, that's it. Then we're done. And then I just never left after that. (laughs) But it was was just like, it just just really worked then. Cause I didn't, I didn't really expect anything from it at the beginning because like, you already had your own songs and everything like that. Like I was coming in just as a session singer, really. 
but then yeah. like the longer I stayed and then we started writing together and I realized that I could put a stamp on it as well that's when things like actually started moving a lot and that's when like sub motion I suppose and it's like like really started going properly yeah. before sick love then yeah we probably should say that um we got yeah, we got this development deal with oh, uh, yeah. Music Maker and um, oh, yeah, yeah. Sun Studios called Searchlight um, back in 2013. Yeah. And 2014. I should say that. I just watched, I actually watched the video this morning. Oh, was it 2014? Oh, 2014. I think okay. it was, yeah, I think it was 2013 when it like started because it was like six, Christmas, yeah. six months or something of like, it was really good. They had like a, a really long thing. Because yeah. I think the video but, was titled um, 2015 and I was watching it going like, holy shit, that was that long ago like it's it's just time is just yeah. going oh it's weird yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah it is weird it, it, it is really, it's really weird no. but um <laughs> yeah we got the deal and we got the phone call for the deal the day we and like we kind of lost our singer that day so um i think the next day you played the button factory so it was kind of with us so it was like it happened so fast like bex had to learn all wow, the songs the night filling, before yeah. and then yeah and then we played the button factory to literally i think we played to a, like it wasn't a show it was like a showcase for like um like all the big uh music executives to be like are these guys good enough to do the development oh deal so that was that was a like a thrown in fire <laughs> that must be nerve-wracking and like bex because like i, I was like sing or swim you. yeah yeah like i like how did you how did you find like because i was used to seeing you play you know on piano or like even like um what the what was that thing called again what's the tiny guitar called oh again? the ukulele the, the ukulele <laughs> <laughs> like just yeah. doing these singer songwriter performances like we watched you tons of times in magic carpet i remember going up a few times for that what was like the transition for like you know it's 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 this you know singer song stuff to like really kind of fast punky guitar stuff in like the space of what a day to do all of it like it must have been nerve-wracking yeah. as hell yeah i mean like for me it was very much like fake it till you make it for a good few months um like I always yeah. I know, you know like as you know just as a musician and a songwriter like you always I think it was always like a sense of it there and you can always kind of adapt when you need to um but I was definitely like out of my depth for a good while and if I think if we hadn't had that development like deal going on where we were working like every day doing lots of rehearsals and working in the studio and everything I think that sped up the process a bit like because yeah. we were doing so much work on it that I was like okay I can actually get into this and get comfortable with it and then when we actually started writing our own stuff then I think that's when the biggest switch happened where it didn't feel like I was just putting on a costume anymore and I wasn't just because for, for a good while I was like I gotta just play this part because I have no idea what the hell I'm doing right now and yeah, yeah. It, it, it definitely <laughs> took a while but it I think yeah the amount of work that we put into it in that time definitely helped to kind of you know settle in a bit more yeah because like I've seen you plays now like a few times and you're like super confident when you play and I even remember I remember I think I think you were sp sporting Monkey and Whelan's and I think it was the first time that I'd actually seen you play with Sick Love and be mm -hmm. like oh my god this is amazing <laughs> such a shows the transition from just from you know from like the singer song I was like oh shit and you're like proper rocking it and like 
like a, like a really good rock show. Actually, Connor actually just had a question for yourself. Like when, when was like your first ever gigs when you were like, when you were playing, like how did they, your first ever kind of gigs with the band go? Um, we were only chatting about this the other day. They were terrifying. <laughs> like we, we were saying, <laughs> no, <laughs> maybe this like shows our age, but like me, Sean and Cormac were chatting the other day about how we had our, whatever, we had our Sony Ericsson phone. And we got this number of the guy who uh, who ran the gigs in the Mez. And this is for our first gig. And I remember being like 17 or 16, 17. And we'd like ring the number and then hang up and ring and hang up because we'd be too afraid. <laughs> we were so afraid. And then <laughs> That's adorable. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like the guy answered and the guy answered and we just said, can we have a gig? <laughs> and he was just like, what? <laughs> And uh, yeah, so those gigs were terrifying, but it was also like a real learning curve. We we did those crazy, like bad gigs where you play to like four people in a pub for years and years. And uh, I think they really helped because they made us like really tight before Rebecca came along. Mm-hmm. So like by the time Bex yeah. came along, we were ready to like take it to the next level. So yeah, it, those those early days are really funny because we were we were just so bad at like doing everything. <laughs> Do you know I've been at those gigs before and like it's and I've seen fr- I've seen friends of mine play gigs to like four, four four or five people and it is one of those like you kind of want to like, you know, give them support by going absolutely crazy. But at the same time, you're just like, I don't want to be hit the guy at the front. That's yeah. Yeah. nuts. <laughs> that one it's guy at the wrong experience. gig. Yeah. That, yeah. Go, oh! <laughs> <The whole thing>. <laughs> <laughs> but actually just out of, you're out of curiosity, like with the live show, because like you do bring on the, where did the megaphone come from? Oh yeah, the megaphone. That's that's, that's a, a funny story. It's on hiatus at the moment. It's gone back to its owner right now. Um, that came from to its owner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It um, it came from um, a one John Hanley um, who ran Sun Studios and now Black Mountain Studios. Um, he was in a oh, band okay. called Cowboy X. And they had, I think, was the megaphone just lying around the studio or something like that? Yeah, it was like in the studio as like an ornament. Yeah, and we were like, "That's cool." Oh, <laughs> we we're like, "That's cool, man." It wasn't even like an active instrument. Yeah, no, it was just it was just sitting there. Like, for, I think what were they were they banned like in the nineties or something like that? They were like really yeah, big in I Ireland. Think, I think they're fairly big in, yeah. in the nineties or early two thousands. Yeah, and we we're like, "That's really cool, man." Can we borrow it sometime and. <laughs> John Hanley's one of the maddest men I've ever met, and he just says yes to everything. So then we, so we're like, oh, he's like, yeah, cool, cool, take it, take it. And then we just took it for like, what was it, like five years or something? We just kept it. Um, I was about to say, it wasn't just like a casual take, it was a very staple of your show. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and every time we'd come to a show, that he'd be like, yeah, my fucking megaphone, give me my fucking megaphone, man. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, sure, John, yeah, we'll get that to you. And he never did. Um, recently, though, we looked for it back. So, well, we're not touring, I guess we'll, you know, let him have it back. <laughs> yes. Until, until it all kicks off <laughs> Give again. Give it to him on rental. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like we're like squatters on the microphone now. <laughs> <laughs> I just out of like, I just have, I have curiosity because I know Monkey supported them as well. Like I've seen you, you supported Fine Club and Otherkin, but 
I think one of the the weirdest parts you support is Crazy Town. Like, I just wondering, like, what what was that like supporting those <laughs> lads? It was was it in the, it was in the Barry, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was our last gig at Submotion. Oh yeah, it was. Was it? That was an in. Yeah, it was. That was the last official gig as Submotion before we changed our name, um, which we were kind of raging about because we were like, because we knew it was going to happen at the time. We were like, well, it's yeah. a good one to go out on at least. Um, but it was it was great, but also like so weird because like th- we're like this guy is actually famous, like, yeah, but yeah. like <laughs> we're in the Bowery, <laughs> so this feels strange. <laughs> and like it, it, I don't know if you've ever the seen where at the, that point. Yeah, and I, like it was it was new enough. I don't know if you've ever seen back like where the green room is. It's literally just behind the stage. Like it's like yeah, you yeah, open yeah. a curtain and you're on the stage and him and all the band were like hanging out in there in this tiny little green room. We're like, OK, I guess like the, the famous people are in there, so we'll just not go in there. <laughs> it was awkward. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, like the butterfly. What is it? It's the yeah, butterfly, butterfly song. Yeah, yeah, butterfly, that was, uh, butterfly, yeah. yeah that, uh, that was like the, the ch- our childhood anthem. And it's really weird when you see them in the smoking area of the Bowery. Just and, there, uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's just like, they, this is like one of the biggest bands at one point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're really cool and really nice. Yeah, and they're really we, we, uh, we had drinks after with them and hung out with them after, and it's it's crazy. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good way to go out as Submotion. <laughs> yeah, what, do you mind me asking, why was the name changed? Was it just a new, was it just a new age for the band or...? Yeah, I mean, we, it, I, mean, it, I suppose it was a new age for the band. Um, we always kind of thought about changing the name, but, you know, we, we never really had a good enough excuse to do it or weren't sure, you know, it's kind of like if you're if you're going to change your name, you're kind of making another step and you want to, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, kind of almost like rebrand or step it up in a way if you're going to do that. So at the time we had just signed with our management and with our publishing agency. So we were like, okay, this is kind of as good a time as any to kind of erase everything that we've done before and step up again in a much bigger way and kind of make a bit more yeah. of a statement from the get-go. So that was, that was the main reasoning for us really. And I think, I think it worked out pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Actually, where did the name sick Lave, sick Lave, sick love come from? <laughs> Sick um, we sick lave. <laughs> it's a random one. Um, we were just—I was just like scrolling stuff, scrolling through playlists and stuff on Spotify. Because like maybe there'll be a bit of like inspo here or something like that. And it's a Red Hot Chili Peppers song. I don't listen to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh. I'm not a big fan of them or anything like that. But I just was scrolling through playlists. And I was like, this has a cool name. It's catchy. That- <laughs> <laughs> so that's where it came from. <laughs> For anybody else who's a massive, massive Red Hot Chipper fan, they must be thinking like, oh, this band just made a take after them. Then they listen yeah. to it and go, yeah. wait, a, we, wait a minute. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint. Yeah, we get that a lot where, where people are like, we do interviews and they're like, oh, you must love the Chili Peppers because like you're named after the song. And I'm kind of like, no, I don't even know. I've never even heard the song, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd think we would have actually just pressed play when we saw it, but no, we're like, that's what if you just tested it out? Like, 
nah, we're just like that's, that's good so we need funny. a name like by tomorrow <laughs> so this this would be good yeah i think our, we were about to sign to a booking agent in the uk and they were like you need to have a name before you sign the deal for the contract and we were like oh it was it was like midnight at your house and we were like i, I don't know just sick love okay done didn't listen to the song still don't know what it sounds Do like I- it's funny you say that because Blink-182, I think, didn't have a name when they signed. And they were told that they had to come up with a name like a week before the thing was meant to be released. And they just went Blink-182. They still to this day have no idea what it means. I think they like the joke <laughs> that it was the amount of times that um, Tony Montana says fuck in Scarface. Like Al Pacino's character <laughs> okay. is the joke. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I mean, but you're- I would love to say that it has a great, meaningful message behind it or anything like that but that's literally it it was necessity and panic that led us to that name and it and the main thing we wanted was that you could understand it and that there was no yeah. questioning what the two words were because submotion had a horrendous history of people in smoking areas not being able to hear what you're saying and just coming up with all sorts of names what we were so we just wanted to make sure you could actually figure out what it was what was the weirdest name you ever heard for submotion what was the weirdest kind of bum lotion <laughs> <laughs> yeah and the the, the hardest I, the why hardest... did i know something like that was coming like <laughs> yeah. and the hardest part was once we once we heard that someone was like bum lotion and once we heard that, every time we go to a show and people would be like, sub motion, we just hear boom lotion, boom lotion, <laughs> yeah. like for the whole show. I completely understand the change. I completely understand the yeah. change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. But, you know, you mentioned like, you know, like Sick Love being like a new age for the band. And like, it certainly was because you've kind of gone from strength to strength to strength. Like even looking at is it is a gun in your pocket is over a million hits on Spotify, which is it is good in your pocket, yeah. which is just outrageous. But we're going to get into you released an EP last year called Baby It's You. Um, I was just wondering, like, what was kind of the mindset of going into But it's class. Like, I actually was revisiting it today and just going like this is every single song. This is catchy as fuck. Like, it's a deadly EP. Thanks. But like, what was the mindset in going into recording? recording it like um well what was it with the ep we we did that all in the house didn't we um we recorded that in between our rehearsal room and my home studio and uh yeah i did all the recording and it was kind of you a, did all of it connor yeah yeah it's mm-hmm. it's fully recorded by yeah because i know you did and... your own studio stuff before but i didn't know you did the whole thing yourself like that's class yeah like to be honest it was a bit of like a, a test run with the band as well because like we knew i recorded and i had done like like some of gun in your pocket and uh songs before that like there's there's stuff i've recorded on those tracks so like I, they knew we all knew I could record and it was kind of like will we just go for it and will we try do it ourselves and just do an EP ourselves and uh it seemed to work out pretty well like it, it was it was very like DIY and very like there was no ex- expectation with it really was there so it was kind of like a trial run but um it ended up like we we recorded it mixed it and sent it to our manager and um our manager John was like this is actually deadly we should just release this and we ended up doing it, I think, just very close into lockdown. Yeah. Um, yeah, with the COVID. Well, that, that was that was That's pretty much fun. it. So, yeah, because then at the, at the start, then we were, we kind of held off releasing the first bit as well, because we weren't sure what was going to happen. Like this time yeah. a year ago, we didn't know, like, were things going to be back opening and stuff? We were, didn't know if it was like 
a really stupid time to be releasing anything. So <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty much leap of you couldn't faith. Couldn't have predicted thing, like, releasing that now, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally, it must. So like, it's, yeah, it's, even, it's, even even listening. Oh, sorry, no, go on. I hate. Oh, this no, I was just gonna say that, Zoom. like, even from like the recording it to the releasing it, it was all like kind of a leap of faith of just trying let's we'll, we'll see what happens and you know it it did a lot better than we expected it to and like it mu- like it must be cool recording it yourself and having that own kind of like personal stamp on it but like would you be kind of guy- like do you like recording because i know some bands absolutely hate it like would you would you like going in and feel confident doing it or yeah yeah <laughs> I, I i love recording i <laughs> such a long pause yeah. there <laughs> yeah no I, I was just thinking of the answer no but uh yeah i i do love it like i i i've done a lot of recording i i still record a lot of bands and still produce a lot of albums so like it was my dream to kind of like do our own stuff because like i'd i'd been doing the demos up till then and we never knew really like if we could take it to the next level and go from like demo to song ready doing it ourselves, but it all worked out. And um, yeah, just love recording. We're always recording. Our rehearsal room has a studio in it and we're just it like record is just pressed at the start of every demo. Like anytime we walk into the oh, room, that's awesome and to have that in the, in the rehearsal and, space. And it, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's been pretty out of bounds for a while, but <laughs> it's yeah. good. It's been good to have it though. And like Bex, as for yourself, like how do you find recording? Um, mm, love hate <laughs> relationship. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can stick in an interface and record my vocals when I need to, but God, like yeah, the first what was it? The first couple of months of lockdown when we were like, okay, we got to just keep. We just like we have to just keep going. Like we have to just mm. try because we were on such a good path of like writing stuff and being in that stu- in the rehearsal studio and everything like we were on a good roll so we were like hey let's just keep working remotely and just keep recording stuff and everything like that and all like recording vocals on on my own trying to focus on just hitting hitting the notes right and everything like that and then the thing my shitty garage band keeps like popping and everything like that I was like <laughs> no this is <laughs> like I will yeah, do it get- but it's not a performer's uh, ideal situation. Ideal, so yeah. it's it, it's just, yeah, necessity. Sometimes you got to do it. And like, um, just like moving in from, uh, like it's kind of weird asking this question, but like what would, when you're when you're recording and obviously you get to release it and, you know, obviously with all this kind of stuff, like what would be kind of your favorite song to perform live? So after you have all the songs finished, with, but like, live would be kind of like the best song that you go fuck yeah this is amazing like why you're playing it mm, that's tough I mean for the la- I suppose for the last while I think like soccer mom is always has always been like the most yeah, so, yeah. exciting one just because we always have it at the end of the set and it's you know it's always a lot of fun um yeah but now with like a lot of the new songs we're recording we've like no idea what that's going to be like live because you know we haven't road tested them at all yeah, yet. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like yeah I feel like like there's there's so much new ones that could be like new favorites that we don't even know yet because we don't even we only know well, what they I'm, sound like on a recording but I'm yeah I'm really looking Mom, seeing Bad Girl live now I have to say yeah yeah we got lucky, lucky be, enough we did get to do Bad Girl live. oh did yeah. you 
Oh, yeah, we got to do back row for a while. <laughs> yeah, it was when we, we we did it like when we were on tour last year. We we kind of the EP ones we were lucky because it was just before lockdown. We kind of did road test all of them like on our yeah, UK yeah. tour and everything like that. Yeah, I think we had a tour in December. Yeah, so just before 2020, so December 2019, and then we had other voices in February. So we we did a test run of the EP on that tour, and. Uh, then we decided the tracks and recorded them basically yeah and bad girl is a really fun one it's very fun yeah i'd say bad, bad girl i was listening today just going this is gonna be class live whenever when all this is fucking killed over actually speaking of when all this is called killed over you're planning on going is it a, you're doing a uk tour in hopefully is it next next year is it no it's this year this year yeah is it it's this october. yeah it's this year yeah it is this year October, yeah, 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 that's it. So, like, that's leading to my next question. Like, what do you think is the best part about touring? The best part, I mean, I definitely just the actual reception that you get from people there and then, because you really don't know what to expect when you go to somewhere that's mm. not your hometown. Um, like, especially what was it like? Some of the places we went to last year, especially our London, our London show last year was so unexpected because we just were like, okay, it's going to be fun no matter what, because we're in London and it's class. But when we got there, like the venue was sold out. So we'd like, you know, it's all these things that like you don't expect it to be that good when you get there. And it's just a really nice surprise, like seeing people that you've never met before not just like your friends and stuff like that singing back to you and they actually yeah, know yeah. the songs and stuff so i think that's good is that like you have no expectations but it can be like really amazing when you actually do it mm. and kind of ask for yourself yeah well what, what you? yeah I, I probably agree like i find the weirdest thing i find is in the uk there's a lot of people who like collect memorabilia with bands Mm -hmm, so you play a gig here and people are like yeah cool or whatever so and then you play a gig in london and like someone has your face printed on like an a3 page and they want you to sign it yeah that actually happened that actually happened a couple of times for real (laughs) yeah yeah the guy that like laminated it all and had a sharpie ready holy shit i I find that's the yeah. yeah, I find it the most bizarre thing when someone comes up like who you've never <laughs> met um, and has a picture of you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's and what you said, like turning up to a place you've never been to and there's people that know your songs. Like it's it's like a classic cliche, like band thing to say, but it's it's crazy how like you don't know anyone and they know your songs, if you know what I mean. Mm. And like, and the polar opposite now, what's the worst part about touring? The accommodation. (laughs) No, (laughs) listen, I, it's not the, it's not the sleeping rough that I mind. It's the sleeping rough with a band full of dudes that I mind and (laughs) the personal space. That's it for me. (laughs) Yeah. The tiredness kills you. you. Tiredness and driving, probably. Yeah. And the sleeping in cars and sleeping in tents. And every now and then you do get get to have a shower in a hotel. And the hotel is tiny. And it's like a tiny room with like nine bunk beds. So, yeah, that's the hard part. But I suppose it's kind of also the part you look back and you're like, that's really cool, actually. Like good memories, good times. 
Do you know, it's it's funny you say that the accommodation because like um, I've done one tour now. So Monkey were kind enough to invite me around on the tour that they did with the Me Puppets. And on the date that I had arrived, we were staying in Antwerp. And when I went into the room, I was like, this is amazing. And I like, I can watch Conan on TV and all this kind of carry on. And the next day, Niall was just like, it's so funny that that's the that's the hotel that we happened to be staying at because it was so nice. He goes, I think they were staying, I think it might have been Manchester or Birmingham where there was a staircase in their room that went down to an Indian restaurant. I'm not 100% sure, but it it it, it was like, they were like, it, it, they, they couldn't get over just how bad the room they were in. I was like, oh no, I wouldn't be on for that now at all. Yeah, we, we had... <laughs> <laughs> yeah we had that before in london uh, it was a halal shop oh yeah <laughs> but it it's for, just downstairs from you like just just downstairs you yeah it was like the, just <laughs> it was like the no, go on sorry yeah the, like, it was like a halal takeaway or something like that and then we were like the one right above it <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, mad it's mad <laughs> times but you know when you have very very limited budgets you can find really interesting yeah. places yeah that's what you have to do yeah i remember there was one night that i slept in the van but the, the, like it was it was weird being in the van when you're not with four other lads the whole time so it was actually quite nice like because you'd always just like this yeah, the spacious. whole way driving around for like three or four yeah. hours he's like this this van's so much bigger than i last remembered yeah <laughs> the, the van is the is the best place like we always draw straws because when we play a festival there's like a few beds in the van and a few beds like in a like in a tent um <laughs> but the van is always a good one except mm -hmm. that one time we played in dorset i think we we're like mm -hmm. me and you were like oh we have the van this is good we'll just roll the <laughs> the front seats all the way back so we have lovely beds and then yeah. we go to roll the seats back and they don't move so me and you uh slept sitting up for the whole night like, oh, no. like two mummies like, <laughs> like that <laughs> It was terrible. <laughs> we were like corpses. <laughs> Wait, please tell me. Please tell me you'd already played your show. Like you weren't going in with a stiff back into the next day. No, we'd already played. Thank God. Oh, you'd already played. Okay, at least you'd played. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Just fucking in all haggard, like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the next the next question I have, like, so your guys, you kind of have like, um, it's kind of cool that you have an Irish following, but you also have like, you seem to have like a really big UK following. I'm just talking like in terms of kind of the UK and Irish scene, like in terms of music, like is if there's if there was one thing you could change about the whole kind of industry and scene of it, what would it be? It's a very broad question now. <laughs> um, I think that the Irish scene could take from the UK scene in ways that I don't know if it's just because of the population and that there's more people available to go to gigs, but they seem to turn out for gigs a lot more in the UK even if it's just okay. like a random you know Wednesday Thursday night if there's like if you're in a pub and if there's if you see that there's music on a lot of people will just go to gigs even if they don't know who's playing and I think that like with Irish people you're very like we, we we'd be guilty of it as well it's like okay well who's actually playing there you know do I want to <laughs> go out tonight what's the weather like am I bothered even if it's your friends like even if it's your friends sometimes you're like oh like what's the cover charge like oh you know so <laughs> I think that like Irish even though like we are a much like you know we're known for being a much more musical country 
as yeah. Irish people, I think, you know, just going to gigs for no reason sometimes is the best night. And I think that that could be adapted more here. But we're we're also just, you know, not bothered a lot oh, of the no, time. I'm, I'm guilty of exactly what you've said, like like exactly yeah. what you've said. I've seen bands that I absolutely love. And just for whatever reason, on whatever part, if if it's like if it happens to be a Thursday or whatever, a Wednesday, just go, oh, you know, I could do that <laughs> or I could. It, it's it's a horrible, it's a horrible mindset, but I have been very guilty of it before. But uh, Connor, what would yeah. you, what would you say? Um, best or worst, or what would I change? Isn't it? Um, yeah. What would you change? Yeah. I think a lot of people go to gigs here to try be cool. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> like a lot of people, like you go to gigs and you see like a lot of these faces. There's a lot of people there that like don't even really like the band or anything, but they want to be at this cool like underground gig that this is the next happening band and you have to be at it because it's like the cool thing to do. I see a lot of them. Um, and that's kind of annoying because you go and watch a gig in Ireland and there can be like a lot of people who just kind of stand there and just want to be cool and want to hang out with people and want to like use it to their advantage to get to know people, mm. which I understand is like part of the networking game. But um, yeah, like I just don't really like that, to be honest, like be more genuine about it. Yeah. Like, like the UK, the thing about the UK is like people go and they really take interest in upcoming bands and like smaller bands and like, they actually follow them like they're the big bands where the Irish ones, it seems to be like it takes a lot for the Irish crowd to suddenly latch onto a band. And a lot of the time, like people turn up because they're cool. And unfortunately, that's that's the thing instead of the music. And uh, like what would be just to flip it around, like what would be something that you say that you really like about the Irish scene? Because we have, we could do positive. We have to do positives and negatives. <laughs> we have to do positive, yeah. Um. Well, when it is genuine, the camaraderie is definitely there. Like when when you know that, yeah. like you can feel it in the air. Like there's there's nothing like playing a Dublin show. Like no, no matter where you go to, you always you always care the most about what your Dublin show is going to be like because yeah. you know that's your home and it's always the best feeling that you get back from people I think there like when you actually feel that that bit of camaraderie coming you know you know playing in a venue yeah, that yeah. you've grown up in and you've seen your favorite bands playing for years I think especially that yeah like when you go to a venue that kind of is in your heart for whatever reason I think that's yeah you know there's always going to be something like more sentimental about it Oh, absolutely. I, I can completely see that. Even like, so like, I don't know if you listen to Primordial, but they're, they're like, um, they're from Scaries, I think. They're a black metal band that have been going since the 90s. But I was actually listening to them for ages and didn't even, it, it sounds stupid because they actually sing about like the famine and all this kind of carry on. But they're oh, internationally known as one of these big, big kind of like metal bands. But their Dublin shows, like their live shows are something else, but their Dublin shows are just like, exactly as you said, like, you know, they're from Dublin, the way the crowd, there, there is something, it's about playing the hometown that will always be absolutely amazing. And same for, mm-hmm. same for bands like, I don't know, like Bicurious or like Monkey, like the hometown shows are always just like fucking absolutely just brilliant. Like, and yeah, kind of what would you say, would be like a positive that you would say? Yeah, like, I think the people who do really like, uh, 
like there's a there's a good group of people there who love the upcoming scene and they're willing to travel like we, we get loads of people coming from like Donegal to our Dublin shows and oh, like that's, that's what I love like there's there is a really cool like group of people that like absolutely love the scene and the scene would die without them and uh yeah that's a positive i suppose no that's a huge positive that's such a compliment as well that somebody would travel like what like how, how long is it only got about yeah. two and a half hours if not more just to, just for a yeah. show and then have to drive back <laughs> yeah. as well like that's amazing yeah you, you feel sorry nearly when they come to the <laughs> you're gig like, you're like please <laughs> go home <laughs> why did you come <laughs> So, uh, and then like, just in terms of kind of like, cause I've been asking bands, like, um, I'm tr- like, I'm trying to find, like, I think over quarantine, I've been trying to find more and more bands to listen to. Like, what would be kind of like, what would be kind of the things that are influencing you or inspiring you at the moment in terms of like the art that you make? Um, as you know, as I've started my journey, I've been going in weird paths, up until this point so most of the music that I listen to is mainly like hip-hop and rap in my spare time I don't listen to a whole lot of rock music that's not right now anyway for the last like <laughs> yeah <laughs> mainly I mean I'm, I'm always kind of more drawn to female artists just not not even consciously just because that's what I you know I'm naturally yeah. relate to um so I'm a big fan of a lot of female rappers like Cardi B, Megan Thee Stallion, City Girls um and oh, so like, in a weird way I feel like it has like yeah in a weird way I feel like it has it an amazing shaped song. my music in a way obviously I am in no way any good at rapping um I can't in any way and I won't even try to so we're not but gonna I think get a cover of WAP then no I mean, it was well, talked about. Well, I mean, asking you should receive doesn't mean that it'll be good, but you, <laughs> but I'll try it. <laughs> but um, like, I think that it's it's the flow and the lyrics and everything like that that I really enjoy about music. Yeah. Um, I'm a big lyric person, more even more so than a music person. I'm always I've always been really into kind of ri- like rhythms in lyrics and everything like that, and how you can almost use it as an as another instrument so I think that has you know kind of influenced me in some ways even if they're not obvious with with music you know if you listen to female rappers like um I don't know do you ever listen to Aquafina yeah she's an actress now I love I think Aquafina is amazing and Brooke Candy's another one as well. In Crazy Rich Asians, but, she is iconic. Yeah, yeah, she's in that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I haven't actually seen that yet, and I keep getting recommended oh, so to good. by a friend of mine. I need to watch it. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> but uh, Connor, like, ask for yourself, like, what's been influencing you? Do you think over over this whole kind of weird time that we're yeah. in? Um, see, I'm in I'm in heavy production mode at the moment because we're in the middle oh, of writing our album. So what? um like i'm in you just i'm in had very an like take a break <laughs> no, oh, no. No, no, you no, guys no. take a break you you're constantly writing stuff now. like holy yeah. shit like <laughs> that was that's news. that's oh yeah i suppose yeah yeah time has kind of seemed to meld into one at the moment oh it that's has awesome yeah. News. yeah it's good <laughs> yeah so like we're we're doing that and yeah we're writing loads but uh i'm kind of in that production zone because i i'd be helping produce a lot of the tracks so I'm kind of like looking for inspiration and we've got a cool producer coming on board as well so 
I'm kind of listening to like like small UK bands. Like there's one called Blood Red Shoes. They're kind of cool. And I'm listening to like Black Rebel Motorcycle Club. Um, Death from Above, 1979, and stuff like that. Yeah, it's kind of like weird things trying to pick up uh, production ideas for the album. So my year has just been, yeah, just it hasn't really been just purely educational. Purely education. Yeah, no fun. (laughs) And so, like we talk about, like what's primary? Like I was just wondering. I like asking this question to a band because like a lot of them give kind of really cool answers. But who do you think now we'll do we'll do Irish and non-Irish. Who do you think is like the most underrated artist going at the moment? OK, um, well, I feel bad saying someone's underrated because it might sense that they're not good, but maybe so, someone that I think well, should underappreciated. be appreciated. So, OK, maybe okay, someone that I think should be even more known than they are would be fan club in the Irish scene because yeah, they're, they're absolutely deadly um, they've been really amazing to us on our journey obviously like getting to support them in Wheelands and just being cool lads that are always willing to give advice and everything like that from people that have been, been at it like for a bit longer than we have so I wouldn't say under underappreciated or underrated but should be mega famous I'll say yeah, fine. I need to that question a little bit better, but mm-hmm. yeah, basically. Well, when it's look, someone you when it's someone a... you don't know, you can you know you don't feel as <laughs> weird about. Yeah, it. Yeah, I suppose it's just it's weird. You know, I have all these questions kind of written out like in the kind of like in my head, and sometimes they just come out like really bad. But and just yeah, basically, <laughs> who do you think needs more of a look in? Uh, who deserves more of a look in than what they're at? Yeah, basically, what I'm asking. Yeah, that that's fine club my is a very anyway. good one. Fine club are brilliant. Yeah. Um, I can't think of international artists. Um, as I said, I've just been listening to a whole lot of WAP. Um, so <laughs> I haven't been. <laughs> so I think, I think, weird if you, you said know, Cardi, Cardi and Megan are yeah. doing just fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think there's, this band aren't around anymore, but there was an Irish band, band about, I don't know, 10 years ago that were called Kopec. Mm, and yeah. um, I saw them. They're brilliant. Yeah, they're they're amazing. And like I, I remember yeah, watching I them. them. Yeah, yeah, like they they were a big part in um why I wanted to do music because they were kind of like the band at the time on the scene. But like they're they're broken up now. But they were they were like if you go back and listen to their albums, it's just incredible, like incredible work. And uh, they just never got the recognition they deserved. So yeah, they'd be a recommendation for a listen. And do you have an international one by any chance? That that blood red shoes one is pretty is pretty yeah blood red shoes blood red shoes are cool like they've been going for I don't know fifteen years and kind of just stayed on the same course they've never really had that like rocket ship moment even though all yeah. their songs are amazing so they'd be a cool band to check out as well. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think now. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if like everybody who would be in the same scene as us would listen to Regina Spector, but she is like the main reason that I ever got into songwriting. So Why do I know that she's name? a great one? She's American, um, American Russian artist actually, and she would be like she is 
very big, but maybe not as much of a household name as some other people. Um, she actually did the soundtrack for Orange is the New Black, the theme song on that. So you might oh, know her wow. from there. Yeah. All right, so, okay. yeah, Regina's character is a big one. Okay. okay, I'll be giving that listen once I'm done. And then, so like the, uh, the next question is, what does 2021 or 2022 have in store for Sick Love? Do you know, I had this question written down and now I know that you're doing an album and just like, this is class and he was like... <laughs> Cat's out of the bag. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. yeah. Do you know, the thing was, I saw you do, did you do an interview with, um, was it Dan Hegarty or something, where you were talking about doing an album yeah. and then an EP and then the EP came mm-hmm. out and I was like, I wonder if they're doing an album, but I don't want to ask them if they're mm-hmm. doing an album in case they are doing an album and they're not allowed to tell anybody that they're doing an album. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we're, we're, we're okay to say it, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> we actually started doing the album like, in this like when things started opening back up when we thought we were out of lockdown um in the summer we started recording it um yeah that was that feels like a long time ago it feels like it never happened Um, (laughs) but uh yeah we started recording it then um and it was like we were pretty happy enough with it we were like these are you know kind of the best songs we have right now and then we kind of then we did all that recorded everything and then we more or less got rid of all of them bar like maybe two or oh. three songs or something like that yeah we just it just all of them. it was like it was like good it was fine and we could have put it out but it just didn't seem quite ready or it didn't seem quite as good as we could do and nothing was looking like changing we didn't know when we were going to be able to tour we didn't know when we could release anyway so Hmm. we just decided to kind of put them to the side keep writing and then that's when like the true gold kind of hit with the writing Yeah. It was almost like we needed to get an album like out of our system before getting to the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, you, you'd be very surprised to what this album, like the album we released, sounds like, I, I suppose. If you were, if you followed our journey, which you have from like the Submotion times, it was yeah. a real, like the album we recorded was kind of like the pinnacle of whatever the sick love sound, uh, the gun in your pocket sound. And then we kind of just started writing again and i think we're on like idea 200 at the moment so a lot of songs have been <laughs> written um but we're <laughs> we're trying to really step it up to the next level and get it to a like a really cool place where it just has changed and like people who've stuck with us are just like oh my god this is crazy and this is so cool Holy shit, hopefully it does that <laughs> well if you're if you've already scrapped an album and then you're doing another one I think that uh, is a perfect example of how you're trying to evolve, because like most yeah. most bands that I know now would re- would have done an album and went, it's done. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, it, and it felt like that at the time. I was like, just it's done. Like just get it gone. Just send it off. I don't want to see it. But it just didn't feel done at that point. It didn't feel like it was all that we had. So yeah. now it feels a lot more like what it's what it was it's supposed to be so it's it was Best meant to be one. i think to i think we wouldn't anyway. have done it if it wasn't yeah if it wasn't for this whole year of not touring and not having anything else to do besides writing and writing and writing we probably wouldn't have got to this point so it's kind of a blessing in disguise do you know it's actually funny you say that because working like talking with people like creatives like yourself 
that's the weird thing. A lot of people have gone to the point that they're fed up that they've tried to make something. Um, in a weird way, the time has given them more time to actually go, we can make this into the thing that we really want it to be, like something that it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be fine or whatever. It has to be the, the way that exactly that we want it. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird kind of, it's a weird kind of positive of the, out of the whole thing that we've been going through. Yeah. You're not just like writing out of necessity of like, we have to do this album and it has to be done by X date and has to have this many songs. We're just exploring things at this point now because like yeah. we can we have enough songs to put out but now we're really getting into different territories that we hadn't expected we were going to go to so that i think it, yeah. it is a really good thing yeah that's amazing. yeah i think the break the the break for us anyway was like a real like step back and like because yeah as beck said like we we came off tour in 2019 and we were told write and record an album before the summer of 2020 uh, because we had loads of festivals lined up and tours lined up and it was like, okay, you're going to do the album while you're off tour and then you'll go on tour and you'll do another thing or whatever. And then it just shut it all down and we could kind of look and be like, okay, what do we really want to do? And like, what are we trying to achieve here? So uh, yeah, that's the one good thing to come out of it, I suppose. That's awesome. That is, I, I'm really looking forward to hearing it. But um, <laughs> so my final question would be, what do you enjoy most about making the art that you make? Oh, God. Wow. Um, well, <laughs> probably before that, that's tough. Before I probably would have for this year, I probably would have said, you know, playing it on stage and people hearing it and getting the feedback from people in front of you like that that would have been yeah. always the best part of like seeing it come to fruition and seeing people's reaction to it but you don't have that at the moment so I think at the moment the best thing about it is learning more about yourself and more about what you're capable of um and I guess you do kind of ride this wave of just almost like we were going through the motions for a long time and you were kind of just riding the wave of like song, song, song. So this needs to sound like a sick love song. So I think at the moment, the best thing about it is, you know, exploring what more that you're capable of. And Connor and for yourself. Yeah. Um, probably the same, like the idea of, uh, creating something you think you couldn't create so like that's happened a lot in the last year where we we looked at like really big bands and we we're like oh we don't think we can write like songs like that or write write songs that are kind of like above the like are like in our imagination we don't think we can actually get exactly what we're hearing out there but we worked at it and uh we got it. So like, that's my favorite part, like achieving something that's in your head and putting it on into a song. And it just sounds like that moment when you're in the studio or in a rehearsal room, when everything clicks is my favorite part where everyone like realizes it's a good song. Yeah. That, that eureka moment of like, now I know I'm not a songwriter, but do you know, when you come across something that you just go like, people are going to like this, it must be the, the, the like mm -hmm. it has to be the best thing in the world, especially when it comes from like a very personal place as well. Like you, like it comes, like it's yeah. literally from you just going like, I love this and I know other people are going to love it as well. It must be an amazing feeling. 
Yeah. But um, yeah. I get. I guess that's we'll the, leave it sorry, there. Sorry, that's the. Oh, sorry, Connor. No, go on. Apologies. <laughs> I was just gonna. I was just gonna say that's the fun part about music because you don't really get to decide who connects with your songs. So yeah. Oh yeah. Um, good point. Actually, like the the coolest part, like that, like the gun in your pocket song, as you say, like that's our biggest song. But that was recorded when we were when we were on a break, recording Bad Girl. We we're in the studio recording Bad Girl what? and. We were like, yeah, we were like, we have this idea. Let's just jam it out. Um, let's jam it out. And it became the one that was really big. But like what you hear on that gun in your pocket, yeah, is is us on our lunch break, just playing it live. That's hilarious. Because, you know, like, do you know what that really reminds me of? It really reminds me of, I don't know if you've ever heard, like um, Black Sabbath's second album, the one that had like War Paranoid, was 38 minutes long. I think the studio asked them to record just an extra two minutes just to make it 40 minutes so that it wouldn't be sold as an EP. So they wrote Paranoid in a, in a, in a, like over a day. And it's, it's yeah. their, it's their no, it is the go to kind of like Black Sabbath stuff. Yeah. That's hilarious that you just went, oh, fuck it. Okay. We'll just, we'll write this like, while we're writing back. Yeah. yeah. And, and that ties Did you just in have it already like... written or was it just, did it just come out of just yeah. like, here's a few practices well, of a song? Well, we kind of had it written, but. It wasn't as it wasn't as good as it ended up. So we kind of had bits of it written, and then yeah, it it came to its final form <laughs> in that in that yeah. lunch break. <laughs> yeah, I think we jammed for about an hour and then just picked what take we liked best, and then that's it. <laughs> that is so funny, like, and now it has over a million plays. <laughs> yeah, I know, and that, that's what we that's laugh hilarious. about too. <laughs> Yeah, you don't get to decide much as well. As much as you think <laughs> this is going to be the one. Yeah, oh, we, we were good. in the studio recording Bad Girl, like which was we thought was going to be the big one. But yeah, that that ties it in. Like it's you don't decide who likes your music at the end of the day. <laughs> and on that anecdote, we'll we'll leave it there. Um, guys, thank you so much for coming on. That was great fun. I uh, hope you had a good time too. Thank you. Thank you, um, thank you so much. All right, guys, I'll see you later. Okay. okay.